Book Three, Chapter Thirteen of Clara Vaughan, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Helen Taylor, Oxford, UK. Clara Vaughan, Volume Two, by R. D. Blackmore. Book Three, Chapter Thirteen. Tossles Barton, estimating the British Post by the standard of Joe Queen's boy, placed but little confidence in that institution. Moreover, Tossles Barton held that a papa scrawl, as it termed a letter, was certain to be lost for want of size, unless it was secured in something large. Something as a man can see and hold on to, as the farmer himself expressed it. Therefore I was not surprised at receiving, instead of a letter by post, a packet delivered by the parcels van. This packet was bound round like the handle of a whip, and stuck at either end with a mass of cobbler's wax, bearing the vivid impress of a mighty thumb. Within the wrappings first appeared an ominous crumpled scroll. Ye stars, where angels so buffooned by eminent painters dwell! Once more I behold Eli on the turnpike gate, the great western steamer, Job with a potsherd of willow pattern plate, the prodigal son, and worse than all, that hideous death and the lady. Recklessly I tumble out all the rest of the packet. Three great belts with silver clasps, three apostle spoons, two old silver salt cellars marked WHJH, a child's christening cup, a horn tobacco stopper with a silver tip, an agate from the beach a tortoise-shell knife with a silver blade, half a dozen coins, and a bronze fibula found upon the farm, an infant's coral, a neck-pin garnished with a bristol diamond, a number of mother-of-pearl buttons and blue beads, and a mass of mock jewellery bought by the farmer from the cheap jacks at Barham Fair with the produce of his wrestling triumphs. Separate from the rest, and packed most carefully, were all but two of the trinkets I had sent as Christmas gifts for the family. Touched to the heart by all this loving-kindness, I felt so ashamed of my paltry petulance at Eli, Jonah, and the rest, that I would not indulge in a peep at Sally's letter, which came last of all, until I had starved myself for a day. That literary effort showed so much improvement, both in writing and in spelling, that any critic would have endorsed Mr. Huxtable's conclusion that the gift must be in the family. A few words still there were of rather doubtful texture, but who can bind or bound the caprice and luxury of the English language? Moreover, Sally's stops were left once more to the discretion of the reader, but if Lord Byron could not grasp the mysteries of punctuation, how could Sally Huxtable? Yet that eager little maid would have learned in half an hour the art which might have mellowed the self-tormentor's howling. Sally was a healthy, sweet, and wholesome nature. Tossel's Barton Farm, Trentiso, the 10th day of March, A.D. 1851. Dear Miss Clara, dear, if you please, father and mother and me and our little Jack, hope this letter will find you in good health, as it leaves all of us at this present, or when it will be finished, thank God for the same and hope in no offence. The baby, as was born on the 20th day of October last, is a very fine and lusty wench at this time of writing, and I've got two teeth, 
and her air coming again, and answers to the name of Clara. As you know, miss, you was so kind to give her leave and liberty, and father call Clara to her now, and so do I and Jack, but mother will call her Babby still, and so the chillers does. Father often say, Babby, why there be hundred babbies in the world, and a thousand either, for all I knows again it, but I reckon there isn't half a dozen Claras. But mother say she can't help it. She always did call em babbies till they was put into short clothes, and longer too, if so be there wasn't another. And she feels a call on her to do it, and no offence, Miss Clara, for that same. If you please, miss, when the parson say name this child, and Aunt Muxworthy, from over to Rowley Myers, say quite pert, Clara, sir. Father had been learning her, you see, miss, all the morning. Parson looks, so mother say, the same as a skinned sheep, all skivered out to dry, and Tim Badcock go ho, 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 till father was forced to slip behind the godmothers and fetch him a little clout on the side of his head. Then Parson say at last, Clara, ma'am, there be no child of that name to this side of Coombe, and it seemed to me to go again the rub-rick. Father say the parson must be a high farmer, for none of us ever hear tell of that rick in this country. Now take my advice and think better of it, Mrs. Muxworthy, the parson say again. So she looks to father, for you see, miss, she were not edified about it being right, because she could not find it in the Bible nowhere. And she say, think better of it, farmer, now, if you want a handsome name, there's Tryphena and Tryphosa, and has been in the family afore. Mother, says my father, and he looks the way he do when he don't intend to talk about a thing. Mother, go home with the child, and I'll take her to Paracombe Church next Sunday, and tell Suki not to put the goose down. You see, miss, we was going to have a supper after church, and the best goose on the farm, and the parson was coming too. Sober now, says the parson, if so be now, Farmer John, you have put your mind upon naming this here infant Clara, why, I will christen her so, only an under-Protestant, and with difference to the chapter. Father only say, Amen, so be it, and then parson do it, and do it uncommon well too, father say, and she can only laugh when they give her the splash. Father told us afterwards, as he believed parson was afeard he couldn't spell Clara fitty. But mother say he be wrong there, and all along of his pride, for parson be a college chap, and so he can spell anything almost, in one way or another. Miss Clara, all them beautiful things as you sent for us to Christmas time, with the forepart of all our names upon them, except Sally, was sunk in the bottom of the brook, in the hole below the stickle by the hollow ash, where the big trout hath his hover, all along of Joe, the Queen's boy, and we never knew aught about it till you're after a letter come. Then our little Jack, who will be quite a big boy now, and button his own corduroys, go down to the brook at once, and pull off all his things, and there you rake and feel among the stones for the biggest part of a day. Though the ice was on the edge, but the water were quite clear, and Tabby Badcock want to pull off her things and go in too, but Jack would not let her, and be ashamed of herself, and I sat on the bank, and Tabby, and Jack pull out nine beautiful things, as were meant for father and mother, and him and Billy, and little Honour, and Bobby and Peggy, and the two weenies. 
"'But he couldn't find nothing as were meant for me, Sally, "'unless Tabby stole it, and she be quite equal to it, I'm quite afeard. "'And we all returns you many, many kind thanks and love, "'especially the ones as had it. "'And me. "'Our Jack say, no, er wouldn't do it. "'He'll go bail for that, no fie. "'But I shake my head, though perhaps she never had the chance, "'if so be there wasn't none marked Sally. "'And thank you every bit the same, miss.' "'so long as there wasn't none for Tabby. "'Poor little Sally! "'She must have cried bitterly to think of her being forgotten. "'But the best of all, next to the farmer's, was for her. "'And there was one for Tabby, too. "'Miss Clara, dear, the things were not hurt at all "'by being under water for a week, "'and father say they must be made of the very same gold "'as Queen Victoria's crown and sceptre is, "'as never can rust with the briny waves.' and beanie daw feel cocksure as it was a fairy of the brook stolen from joe's breeches pocket and keep mine still he say because it be the prettiest but there he never know much any more than tabby does if you please miss asking your pardon when aunt muxworthy were here to the christening time she said she never see such writin in her life as mine and it wasn't my best copy neither and she said it was a sin to make a scholar of an honest wench like that and I should want to be the parson next and read the forty-two generations and play the fort piano. And I didn't know, miss, whether to laugh or cry, so I began to eat an apple. But father say, quite slowly, Sister Muxworthy, you was never gifted with no education, no more nor I, Jan Uxtable, and how be us to know if it be good or bad? Once I had an horse, say father, as afore ever he went into the field, turned up his nose at the grass like and with turning up so much he died at last of the glanders but i never see that there horse persuade the others to starve aunt muxworthy toss her head and we thought she wouldn't eat no goose but the smell of the stuffing and the weather were too many for her and she ate a wing and a leg and one side of the breast and it do her good and afore she had much brandy john she say you was right and i was wrong let the little wench crack on and some day they'll hear of her to the other side of exmoor so father laugh and kiss her and the chillers were put to bed and we drank your health miss and clara's nine times nine and father say he'll learn himself some day when he give up wrestling only he fear it would make his hand shake terrible and then some laugh and some of us cry and they have more hot water and beany door set to and make so many poems he turned the stairs somehow inside out and suki and tim was forced to heave him into the tallet and keep him from going abroad by a rope of onions round him and two truss of hay on the top next day he makes no poems at all till he drink more than a gallon of cider oh miss clara dear whatever is the matter with you father be in such a taking as i never see to-day your letter come about selling that knob thingy of beany doors and we knows it must be all along of the crown jewels you brought for us as we meant to keep in the family till the end of all our time mother double up and cry into the churn and spoil all the butter and father by that upset he stamp out of the house a trying hard to whistle and he couldn't see no one there to let it off but timothy badcock and he were a little saucy so he tossed tim up onto the linny roof and his legs come through the thatch and father was forced to ease him out with a pitchfork tim was stiff a bit in the evening and serve him right say mother 
for laughing so at the Cornishers. But father gave him some meats for oil and cider, and we knew us couldn't hurt him, because he be double-jointed. And if you please, Miss Clara, dear, we would not stoop to ask Beanie Daw, and he nothing but a sawing poet, so father go to the old oak chest with the whitewash on it, and put it open without the key, and take out some old rubbish, he saith, and order mother to pack it without a word. And mother wanted to put a pair of linen sheets in the best tablecloth, but father say quite crusty-like, do we take our Miss Clara for a common pat man? And when I say, please, father, what shall I say about it all? He answers me quite low. However can I tell, child? Ask your mother there. Only give my best respects and most humble duty, and tell Miss Clara I wishes I could find a man to throw me all four pins for being such a drunken osebird, not to have more to send her. But I know her won't take money from the likes of us. Stop, father say. Ask her to please to lift our horn up as the horn of a unicorn. I knows where to go for lots of money, and all to be had for asking. I'll go to Bodmin Town next week, say father, and show them Cornishes a trick of Abraham can. Since honest Abraham took the sprain, he left it all to me, though God knows, and thank him for the same, I never want it yet. I should like to see the Cornisher as could stand my grip. And then father pulled both his hands out of his pockets. Mother says he wear em out, he do spraddle both his thumbs so. It seems a curious thing, Miss Clara, dear. Father never get vexed or waste-like, but what he want to wrestle. And other times he never think of it, unless it be to fair or revel time. When I asked Mother, and said as Father tell me to, the tears was in her eyes, and she tried to look angry with me, and then she broke out crying as loud as Suki when the cow Molly kick her. So between the both of them, Miss, I, I can't know what to say. So please to make it yourself, Miss, for I am sure I can't find anything, only the best love of our arts, and a side of bacon as would like to send, and the butter from my own little cow, all sweet hay and no termites. I be to sit in Coombe Market all by myself on Saturday, and mother not come nigh me, and I know you'll let me send you the money, and I expect eleven pence a pound, cause you never was proud with your loving scholar ever to command and obey Sally Huxtable. All this here underneath and over the leaf is going to be written after the rest of this here paper. If you please, Miss Clara, dear, there come now just a very fine-spoken gentleman with a long coat the colour of an udder, and blue flaps, and blue at the hands, and ever so many great silver buttons with a print like pats of best butter, and gold ribbon round his hat. We seemed at first he be an officer of dragoons, till we seed the flower in his air, and then as knowed he was the Queen's miller. Father was a great mind to show him a forip, and send his buttons to you, miss, because he see they be worth ever so much more than these little things all put together. Only mother stop him. Then the gentleman say he know Mr. Enwood well, and respect him much, and he be sent here by expression to discover where you be, Miss Clara, and it be most particular, and if we wished you well, you would tell him at once. Father and mother and me puts him in the parlour, and gives him a jug of the very best cider, and then we goes and lays our heads together about him in the cheese room, and mother and me was for telling him, only father says no. You never give us leave, and us wants to do what is right and upright, 
unless you order us contrary, and us has no right to tell without ask you, and you so full of enemies. So father say, very grand for him, honoured sir, us hopes the honour of a papper scrawl from Miss Clara in ten days' time, or maybe a fortnight, according to the weather, please God, and us be satisfied too. My eldest daughter here be writing to Miss Clara for a week or more, and if so she be have got room left on the papper scroll, she asked Miss Clara's leave, and us shall have enough time to hear what her say in a fortnight, or maybe three weeks. Oh, then, she be gone to Hitley at the least, the gentleman say. Father never hear tell of Hitley, whether it be in London town or no, but he looked to mother and me to hold our noise. The gentleman say something sound very much like dang, and father hoped he would be saucy, because then he send his buttons in spite of mother and me. But when he look at father he think better of it, and go off very civil in the carriage he come by, only say he would find out in spite of us. And please, Miss Clara, dear, mother say she be ashamed to send you a parcel or rubbish except the pictures, but she do hope they won't cheat you about them there, for they be the finest ever come to these parts and warranted real London made. All the farmers hereaway want to buy them of us, and father say, dang the pictures, tell Miss Clara to come to us, and her shan't want Beanie Dawes things, nor the Queen's Miller either. Oh, do come, Miss Clara, dear. The banks be yellow with primroses, and white and blue with violets, and I know three blackbirds' nests already, and an oozles down by the river. Oh, do come. I've got such a lot to tell you, things as I can't make head or tail of when I try to spell them. And you shall milk my own cow Sally, and have all my black hen's eggs, and the ducks too, if they hatch, and sling all the small potatoes from the plough-field to the hazel-hedge. Your best scholar, as ever was, and loving pupil, Sally Huxtable. End of chapter 13